All right, if you'd join me in your Bible this morning to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4, and also in Ephesians chapter number 3. Today is the beginning of a new year, and for some 30-some years, we've always used this month to encourage biblical stewardship. We don't talk about money too much throughout the year, but in the month of January, we do mention stewardship and money, and we present to you a budget. Uh, We try to stay within that budget, and uh, we present to you what we're planning to do. Sometime this month, there'll be a, a vision night, and we will tell you what we spent the money on this past year, the projects that we proposed to you last year at this time, and those have been completed, and we want you to know that. But I would like to warn you this month, if you don't want to hear about stewardship, buy you some earplugs and come to church anyhow. It just encourages me when somebody's sitting in your pew. All right. Well, today, I want to talk to you about an unusual situation, and uh, maybe not so much about stewardship, but I'd like to take a, a, a what is a, a very hurting and unusual situation and put God in the middle of it, a desperate situation and put God in the middle of it. Most of us are concerned with what we don't have and waste what we do have. Most of us are complaining about what we don't have and fail to thank God for what we do have. Amen. We're always looking for a blue light special we might have something special at the house. We're always looking across the fence because the grass is always greener over there. But if you was raised on a farm like I was, you'd learn what makes grass green. (laughs) And when you get over on the other side of the fence, you might wish you was back on the other side. Let me read for you just a few verses, seven verses out of 2 Kings chapter 4. And the Bible says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come, to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elijah said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me what hast thou in the house. And she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors 
Even empty vessels borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. He said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God and said, Go sell the oil and pay thy debt and live thou and thy children of the rest. Now, just two verses out of Ephesians chapter 3. And don't forget these now. A desperate situation. Verse 20, Ephesians 3. How many of you believe the word of God? How many of you believe it'll work today? How many of you believe it'll work at your house? Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. This month I'm going to be preaching to you several sermons entitled God is Able. Anybody here believe that? You mean your little situation at the house God can fix? Why hadn't he? You mean to tell me that financial situation you're worried about God can fix? Why hasn't he? Interesting, isn't it? All these are just words on a page. Just another book. Either that or it's God's word. I would like to talk to you for just a few moments this morning on this thought. Living without limitations. We are not limited to what we have. We're limited to what God has. We're not limited to what we can do. We're only limited on what God can do. Now I know that's going to blow your ears out. I started to say blow your drawers off. I didn't want to say that in front of God and everybody. <laughs> Living without limitation. 
This is all I got. Just a little bottle of oil. That's all I've got. This is the end. It's all I have. The creditors are coming to take my two sons and put them in bondage and they'll work until the debt is paid. This is all I have. But what if we put God in the mix? Stewardship is actually living without limitations. Stewardship is doing what God says, God's way, in God's time, than reaping the benefits. All of us have our limitations. There is limitation in almost everything in our lives. There is a limit to how long I can go without food. There's a limit to how much food I can eat. To some, there seems not to be. There's a limit to how long I can go without sleep. There's a limit to how long I will live. There is a limit to my attention. That's the reason I'm going to hurry this morning. There's a limit to your patience. That's the reason I'm going to even hurry more this morning. There's a limit to how long I can talk on the phone. And buddy, I do limit that. If you ever call me, you say, are you trying to get me off the phone? The answer is yes. <laughs> There's a limit to how far I can drive a golf ball. And it's getting shorter all the time. I swing at the golf ball. And I'm still standing real close to it. It's usually on the tee. There's a limit to how long I can run and there is a limit to how long I can preach even though some of you don't think that's true. And we all live with limitations, do we not? But the question we need to ask ourselves, what limits my effectiveness for God? What limits, why is it God can do all things and yet you still have family problems. Do you need help? One of the, hey, one of you ushers, if we need help, take care of it right quick. Good deal. There's a limit to how much I'll put up in the auditorium. We just reached it. God is unlimited. Let me show you a few verses. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. The Bible says that Jesus is able even to subdue all things to himself. That means our Lord is able to conquer Overcome, outdo, defeat anything that comes our way. Can anybody say amen? amen? 
God is able. How many of you believe God is able? Then why don't you go home today and let God get in the situation and fix it before you tear it all to pieces trying to fix it yourself. Amen. Notice Hebrews chapter two and verse 18. The Bible says he is able to succor or to help or to aid those that are tempted. Now, all of us are tempted with different things, are we not? Some are tempted with alcohol. Some are tempted with going to North Carolina and bringing back moonshine. Some of us are tempted in all kinds of areas, but thank God he is able to overdo, overcome any temptation in my life. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, to whom... I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I'm saved. I'm saved because of his grace. I'm saved because of faith and I'm saved and he's gonna keep me that way because he is able to keep me. Is that not true? Is anybody here glad of that? Now he's able to subdue all things. He's able to keep all things. He's able to... Help in all things. Second Corinthians 9 and 8, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that in all things you have an all sufficiency unto every good work. God is able. Can anybody say amen? amen. How many believe that God is able? Amen. I mean, you really believe God is able. Amen. You don't mean you don't need somebody to counsel you. God is able. You know what I've found folks that won't listen to me behind the pulpit won't listen to me in my office? This right here is the best counseling you'll ever get. Let me give you another one just to help you a little bit. Romans 16 verse 25, God is able to establish you and to keep you from falling. Man, I'm glad that God is able. 50 years God has been able now, I don't know if you write things down or not, but if you ever write things down while I'm preaching, I saw someone the other day write down, that wasn't very good, uh, that wasn't very deep, and that was very shallow. But let me, let, 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 me, let me give you something. Think about this a minute. God is able to take our limitations and use them in an unlimited way. You you need to grab that. Because without God, Samson was just a helpless individual at the mercy of God's enemies. But with God, he slew the Philistines, tore down the gates and flung them down the hill and ripped the pylons apart. Uh, Samson was a limited individual but God used his limitations in a very unlimited kind of way. Without God, David would have been a helpless child in the valley with the great Goliath. Without God, Israel would have fared no better than Pharaoh's army in the depths of the sea. Without God, where would the Hebrew boys be 
They've been fried in the fire. Where would you be if you did not have God in your life exactly where you are? So why don't you get God in there? Well, I have issues. There's no issue God cannot handle. I've been abused. Me too. Ginger abuses me every day. Sometimes she makes me even get my own tea. Sometimes she might say, would you go down and get the pizza? Abused. Have to go get your own pizza. Now, Living without limits does not mean living beyond our means. Living beyond limits does not mean charge it and trust God. The rapture will take place and the Antichrist will have to pay for it. <laughs> living beyond limits does not go ahead and jump and God will catch you. Ask me, I will tell you, it don't work. The ground caught me. Living without limits does not mean go ahead and marry him. You can win him to Christ after you're married. Living without limits does not mean go ahead and smoke it, drink it, sniff it, endure it, and indulge in God. We'll take care. That is not living without limits. That's living with no brain. But living without limits is allowing God to take our limitations and do something that is absolutely limitless, unexplainable. Folks, when our church began to grow real fast when it was young, and just a sign out on the highway saying, Gene Wolfenbarger, preaching Joshua Baptist Church, just a rented sign and folks started coming and place started filling and we had to tear down walls and folks kept coming and then we'd have enough room to set them. So we started a choir, not because they could sing, because we didn't have any room to set them. So we set them on the platform. Brother Billy began to handle our choir. Somebody wrote me one time and called or something and said, we'd like for you to Please explain to us the supernatural growth you're having down there. We'd like to put it in our paper. And I responded, well, we can't find anybody who knows how to write. And when I hire somebody intelligent enough to write, we'll send you a brag sheet on how great we are. What I didn't want is God to leave. The difference in this place and a lot of other places is we live on God's limitations, not ours. And we trust God's limitation, not ours. And I read one time, I don't know if you believe this or not, but with God, all things are possible. With us, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You could be so tight financially 
that when you dry, die, I'll have to screw you into the ground like a corkscrew. But with God, he can loosen your heart strings. He can loosen your wallet strings. And he can put blessings on you you'll never, never, never be able to explain. And all of God's people said, Preacher, you don't preach on money that much, but when I do, you'll know it. Let's take an impossible situation. Many of us are living in an impossible situation. Did you know that some of our families probably haven't spoke to one another in two or three days? Some of our families are so broke they need a cosigner to pay cash. Some of our folks are always living from week to week, check to check, and if the check misses, we're in trouble. That's not God's plan for you. It's not God's plan for me. I'd like someday to preach you a sermon entitled Godonomics instead of economics. Godonomics always works. So I thought I'd just take an impossible situation for about 15 minutes and put God in the middle of it and see what happens. Would that be all right? And I'll bet you your situation is no more helpless than the one in the Bible. Your hurt is no more real than the lady in the Bible. Her emotions are wrecked. Her finances are wrecked. Physically, she's a wreck. Her husband's dead, and her children are going to be taken into bondage. She's going to be alone, a helpless, hurting situation. Unless you and I, for just a minute, put God in the middle of it. Let's put He who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. Anybody ready to put that kind of God in your situation? You see, I've got an addiction. I've got a God that can fix it. I've got a situation. I've got a God who's the master of all situations. Situations does not bother our God. In fact, he might be the one who's arranging your situation that he might get your attention. Mm. Are you ready? Let's go back to First King, Second Kings chapter 4, and I have 15 minutes to do this. You say, how do you know that? That's when the ball game starts. I guess, I have no idea. Notice, if you would please, a desperate situation. And there's one good thing about our God, that one who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can think or ask. There's one thing about this God of ours. He is not limited by the situation. You got that? 
He is not limited to the situation. Verse one, the Bible says, now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, come to the man of God with a, with a problem, saying, thy servant, my husband is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. God uses desperate situations to get him the glory. Preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. In John chapter 11, the Bible says that Lazarus died. And the question was asked, why did he die? And Jesus did not say he died of cataract arrest. He did not say he died of sugar diabetes. He said he died for the glory of God. And when Jesus walked in the house and raised him from the dead, God got all the glory from the death of a Lazarus. Do you know that your situation may be as such and has been arranged by God himself so that you might See that God who is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we think or ask that he might get glory out of the situation. Amen. Quit walking around with your head between your legs pouting because you've got such a bad deal when you've got such a great God. I do not understand Christians who's always worried about what they don't have and take for granted what God has given them and how God can use what he's given them for his own glory. I remind you of a story in the book of Exodus. When the children of Israel was faced there at the Red Sea, I remind you to hear, if you would please, the rattling and the clanging of the chariots of Pharaoh and listen to the cries of hurt and hate as they cry out, we'll kill those stinking Jews. I can visualize the Hebrews running up and down the beach wondering why in the world they're out there anyhow when they could be off in Egypt eating garlics and leeks. Ha! You can tell who owns motels now. I can remind you that it looks like the situation is absolutely desperate and helpless until we put God in the middle of it. Is anybody listening? Yes, 
Now you may be at your Red Sea. You may be in 2 Kings 4. You may be a hungry crowd with only a few loaves and a few fishes, which is an impossible situation. But what if we just put God in the middle of it? I don't know about you, but I watched the Ten Commandments when Charlton Heston played it. And I know it was all bunk. But when the Red Sea began to open, chill bumps run up down my spine, son. If I'd have been there, I'd have faked a shout, wouldn't you? I'd have really got excited and said, amen. Wouldn't you? Huh? Come on now, loosen up a little bit. Hey, that same God that opened the Red Sea Put him in your situation and he can open any sea you've got. He can pay any creditor you have. He can heal any hurt that you've put on each other's heart. He can eradicate any scar that's been placed there because with God, nothing is impossible. With God, the money you got will go much, much farther. Notice, if you would please, a desperate situation. And there's no situation so desperate as the sinner who finds himself in this world without Christ. Think of this, if you would please, of being lost. Jesus said, I come to seek you to save that which was lost. Paul said, if this gospel be hid, it is hid from those that are lost. Have you ever been lost? There's nothing more hopeless and helpless and there's nothing more frightening than being lost. Uh, have you ever been lost? No, you've probably never been in the woods. Some of you city slickers have never been in the woods. I don't know if I've told you this over 25 times or not. But it seems like when you get lost out in the woods or out in the desert or someplace, that God built one leg longer than the other. I don't know if you know that or not. Without a compass, without direction, without an object to go to, you will always walk in a circle. Always. You say, how do I know that? Try it. You'll like it. <laughs> we were in the swamps of Louisiana one night, coon hunting, and uh, we had done what you do at the tree, and I set a twenty-two rifle up beside the tree. We left going back to the truck, and we walked for about an hour, and I said, there's our gun. The guy said, you're crazy. I said, no, right there the rifle is. We walked in a circle. What's lost people doing? They're just walking in a circle, trying to find purpose, trying to find a reason, trying to fill that place that only God can fill in their heart. They're lost. Lost. Can you imagine a situation of being lost 
not knowing which way it is back home. Lost. The Bible describes the lost person as dead. You have to quicken who were dead in trespassing and sins. Preacher, I'll, I'll get to heaven my way. How does dead people get anywhere? If I'm ever preaching a funeral and the dead man says anything, he can have the rest of the service. Because I'm a leaving. And the, and the Bible says that people who have not been saved are in a desperate situation. They're lost. They're dead in trespasses and sin. The Bible describes them as separated from God, alienated from God, and describes them as without hope and without God in this world. But what if we take the most lost individual in the world and put God in the middle of it? Uh, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be, you know the rest of it? Saved. Ain't that great? Just take God, that one who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask. Put him in the situation. Put him in your finances. Put him in your relationship. Put him in your home. Put him with your kids. Put him down at the business, wherever you want to put him, and he'll straighten it out every time. Can anybody say amen? Amen. A desperate situation, I must hurry, a meager resource, verse two. And Elijah said, all right, we'll fix your situation. What do you got? She said, nothing. That's what some of you said a while ago when we took the offering. Ain't time to pray, say amen. I can't afford to give. You know how you can afford to give? Put God in the situation. Just put God. You can't afford not to give. You can't afford not to. Well, what do you got? We're going to try to get God. And you say, what do you got? Well, I got a a jar, a pitcher, uh, with a little oil in it, the Bible says in verse number two, a pot of oil. Well, if I'd have been the preacher, I said, that's not very much. Not very much. Just a pot of oil. What do you got? In your situation, what have you got that God can use? Notice, Elijah didn't say, pour the oil out of your jug and go out and sit on the corner and beg. Didn't say get on a welfare program. Let me tell you what to do. Take your pot. Get God in the middle of the situation. And God will fix it. Anybody here believe God's able to fix it? Anybody here believe that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we think or ask? Now you just look at this church and look at the properties, look at everything. Let me tell you my vision 30 years ago, double wide trailer behind the tracks with a little sign out front, Joshua Baptist Church. That was my vision. But when we put God in the mix, look what God's done. You understand that? Put God in the mix, look what God has done. 
a meager, just a meager resource. Christians are guilty at looking at what we don't have instead of what we have. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Does anybody know the rest? And all of these things shall be added unto you. I bet most of you can quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. How about verse 6, 7, and 8? What's this? Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. And it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, finances, and with the first fruit, the tithe of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy press shall burst out with new wine. A meager resource with God in the middle of it is unexplainable. Living without limits. I just can't do that. I just can't afford to do that. All the preacher talks about down there is money. That's why he's so rich. You don't see my bank account? God uses anything you'll put in his care for his glory and his honor. Amen. Why do I tithe? To honor God. Why do I give above my tithe? To glorify God. Why do I go soul winning? To glorify God. Why do I preach? To glorify God. Why do I pray? To glorify God. Why do I breathe? To glorify God. Why do I live? To glorify God. What we need to do is put God in the middle of our situation. We see a desperate situation. We see a meager resource and we see a miraculous result. Verse five to seven and I'll close. Verse five to seven. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. Now, please notice she poured out. She poured out the meager that she had, trusting what the preacher had said God would do. At the risk of losing what she had, She obeyed God and she poured out 
And it came to pass, and it always will, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. All that she had to begin with was still in the bottle that she had. And all the other pots were filled. And she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children on the rest. I used to hear people sing when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word. You remember that? You know the rest of it? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word. The song is trust and obey. Who is that? Oh, that's okay. That's all right. That's okay. That's all right. That's fine. I didn't see you coming. That's right. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, trust and obey. Or there's no other way to be what? Happy in Jesus, but to trust, not your limitation, but God's unlimited resources. But there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to do what? Trust and obey. I close now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we think or ask. And unto him be glory in the church, world without end. Amen. Huh? What you don't need is a financial advisor. What you don't need is a marriage counselor. What you need and what I need is to get God in the middle of our situation. Because he is able, how many believe that? He is able to take care of our teenagers. Mother hinting them to death. Don't do anything except build insecure teenagers. I don't understand mamas who can't trust God with their children. I don't understand daddies who can't trust God with God's children. We need to get God in the situation.